Welcome to the Business Intuition Podcast, the place where you can learn to trust your intuition to make business decisions without having to meditate for hours, wear crystals, or give up on coffee or wine. You don't have to leave your IQ at the door. Embrace intuitive intelligence to create a business that lights you up and finally experience the success that you deserve. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Intuitive Revolution in Business. And this week, it's book review. So I've only just finished reading Big Magic again by Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, this book is um, a Bible about creativity. Now, why a book on creativity? I believe that all entrepreneurs um, need to have as a foundation um, a buoyant creativity because um, any business is actually an idea and Bid Magic is all about ideas, big and small. In, in business, you need to take risks and you also need to make peace with fear, the fear of failure. So I feel that Elizabeth's book is perfect for that. And I'm so excited to review it. So the book has like six parts and I'm not going to go into all of them in detail. I just want to pick and choose the bits that have excited me the most. But for those of you who like structure, she has these six different parts, one called courage, one called enchantment, permission, persistence, trust and divinity. So let's do this now. The book lies on the premise that we all have treasures that are hidden within us and we need to follow our curiosity to let them out. But it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage because when we start to uh, allow our treasures to come out, we have all these fears about how uh, they're going to be received. So she, on page 13 of the book, she lists all the fears. And I was fascinating reading them because I've gone through my own fears myself. Um, I did that particularly when I was a book coach um, back in 2015, 2016, because I was afraid that because English is not my, my first language that uh, my book would be of poor quality. I was afraid that I would be a success. I was afraid that I would be a failure. I was afraid that my book um, would be boring. I was afraid of being criticized. I was afraid there was no market for it. Uh, I was afraid someone had already written a book about it. Um, so she lists all these fears that we all have within us, whether they apply to a book, whether they apply to a piece of art, or whether they apply to a business. And the whole point of creativity is that there's no bottom to this list of fears. You just have to do it anyway. You cannot argue for your limitations because everybody else has limitations and you will always have more. And she concludes after talking about all her fears. I, I love that there's one that talks about um, upsetting your own family. Because for a very, very long time, um, I have uh, written memoirs and 
I haven't published all of them. I have published one of them. And I was so afraid of what my family would think that I literally moved abroad and wrote in a different language to try and preserve, um, you know, their sensitivity. But that is actually not the right way to do things. You just have to do what you have to do. Now, it could be that um, running a business might actually um, you know, clash with your family's desires. I know that for me, my family uh, was very proud of my career as a, as a lawyer. Um, and of course, um, you know, business wasn't half as exciting or as glorious for them as a career as a lawyer. So I did disappoint them by leaving my career for sure. I like that there's also, you know, the fear that you're too old or too young um, you know, I've started my business quite late and now I'm in my late 50s and that's not going to stop me. I'm still going to go ahead and do what I want because I feel that I have um, my life ahead of me, rightly or wrongly. Right, I've got to say that my absolute favorite part of the book is page 25 when she writes a letter to her fear. I'm going to start reading that letter, but I want you to actually go and, and read that part. You probably can find it on Goodreads because it's become so famous. But let me just um, give you a taste of it. Dearest Fear, Creativity and I are about to go on a road trip together. I understand you'll be joining us because you always do. I acknowledge you have an important job to do in my life and that you take your job seriously. Apparently, your job is to induce complete panic whenever I'm about to do something interesting. And may I say, you are superb at doing your job. Isn't that already delicious? And the piss that, you know, she goes on with a metaphor that she's on a road trip, she's in the car, creativity and her are in the front seat and, and the fear is at the back. And the fear is not allowed to have a voice. It's not allowed to have a vote. It's not allowed to touch the roadmaps. It's not allowed to suggest detours. And it's not allowed to fiddle with the temperature and not even the radio. And I just, I think this is just delicious. Because if you let your fear guide your life, you will never do anything of value, okay? So moving on to enchantment, she talks about, and this is the thing also, that's the bit that completely excited me when I read this book, um, let's say five, six years ago, uh, is that she considers that ideas are living beings, that they're separate from us, they have a consciousness, they have their own will, and they just collaborate with a human partner. So they swirl around to find a human partner, they organize coincidences and signs until they make a formal proposal, do you want to work with me? And she illustrates that point by talking about a book that she uh, researched extensively uh, called The Jungle Book, uh, where it was about a woman that was sent into the Amazon jungle for a project, blah, 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 blah. So um, this is really, really interesting because we're going to talk about it further in the podcast. But she neglected this idea. And then this idea went to find another author. And instead of feeling upset about it, she was actually excited because for her, it illustrated the big magic of ideas. And she says that when an idea comes to you, you have two choices. You can always say yes or no. 
If you say no, it will go to someone else. If you say yes, there's sort of a, like a moral contract between you the, and the idea. There's no need for drama, but you need to be committed because if you neglect the idea or if you ignore it or if you don't um, commit to it properly, then it will also leave you some, at some point to go for someone else. Now, she has a definition of success that I would probably want to tattoo onto myself because... I have been playing with the idea of success in a completely different way that has been soul destroying for me. And her idea of success is that it's measured by the dedication to your path, not by your success or failures. And I think this is wonderful. We are worth how, how dedicated we are. We need to let go of the outcome, especially for those of us who work with I'm not going to say spiritual entrepreneurs because I don't consider myself spiritual, not as an entrepreneur anyway, but people who perhaps work in harmony with something bigger than them, whatever that means to you. Um, we, we can't run businesses exactly the same way as other people do. Of course, the fundamentals of business are there, but at the same time, we're asked to walk the higher path which means that we have to have a level of commitment that asks us to take risks and sometimes to go through lots of failures. I mean, I'm, 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 I can hear some people saying, well, that's what entrepreneurship is all about. But I think there's, um, there's a bigger wisdom around that. So Elizabeth Gilbert had to abandon her Amazon jungle book because her lover, who then became her husband, was stopped at the customs. So instead of writing her novel, she started to write a memoir about um, how they decided to get married, which was actually against their own values. And it took her two years. But in the meantime, she made friends with another author that she met at a panel. And um, she was very excited about that woman. She ran to her after the panel to tell her how wonderful she was. And that author kissed her on the cheek. And she, Elizabeth believes that this is actually when her novel was transmitted to that woman, because even though she never told this woman about her novel, uh, when they met again about a year later, that uh, novelist told her about her own Amazon novel. And the Amazon novel that this, this other author was writing was so close to the one that um, Elizabeth had conceived that they were both stunned. The only difference between Elizabeth's and Anne's, as was her name uh, in the book, was that Elizabeth's book took place in the 60s, whereas Anne's was contem contemporary, and that uh, the business that was at stake in Elizabeth's novel was a highway construction business, whereas um, Anne was more um, going into the pharmaceutical industry. Now, this is, this is remarkable. This is truly remarkable. Then she goes on to say that she could have, um, she could have very well have said, you stole my idea, or she could have been angry with herself for not having, you know, pursued the idea. But instead, she saw that as a little miracle because she saw she was able 
to grasp the concept that ideas are actually, um, you know, separate entities from us, which I think is, is wonderful. And it also enables us to see that there's no scarcity. Um, you know, there's room for everyone. Now, sometimes in spiritual circles, if someone, you know, grasps an idea and embodies it and maybe writes a book and then it's published, uh, someone might say to themselves where I wasn't meant to be an author and they would give up um, because someone else had done it. I don't think that's the way it works. And we need to be able to be committed um, to our path regardless of the outcome. And Elizabeth also talks about how so many people were angry at her when she published, um, when Eat, Pray, Love was published because they said that it was their idea. And, and in fact, ideas don't belong to us. They might be partners, but just like our, our significant other doesn't belong to us, it's a partnership. It's the same with ideas. Either we work with them and we work at the relationship between us and the idea, or we don't. And I feel businesses are exactly the same. You know, even if you are a solo coach, a solopreneur, and you're a coach and you're the face of the business, your business is still not you. It's a separate entity from you. And it would be able to be manifested by someone who um, might be very similar to you, who might be very different. Um, but you need to open your mind to the fact that your business is not your possession. What I also love about her book is that she talks about how sometimes when you're creative, ideas come from somewhere that seems to be magical. And then at other times, they don't. And she's really talented at explaining how creativity works. What I could see myself is how intuition and creativity are so intimately linked. It seems to be almost the same process because it all stems from being in the flow or what artists call in the zone. And my training in clinical hypnotherapy has really helped me to understand how that works. She also helps us to make a difference between being a genius and having a genius. So she goes back to ancient Greek and Roman times where they believed in inspiration and gods and all sorts of entities. So in fact, when someone, an artist was doing a work of art, they were inspired by something outside of themselves. And in a way it was good because it took some of the pressure of success off their own shoulders. And she gives the example of someone who um, really um, crumbled almost under the, um, under the weight of success, uh, which is Harper Lee, the, the author of To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, she was never able to write another book after that because she was afraid that she, she was at the top and that the only way was down from there. Now, that is very sad. So what she also says is that you don't need permission to do what you want to do. You don't need to go to business school to create a business. You don't need to go uh, to have a um, MFA, I think that's what it's called, um, to write a book. Creativity is for everyone. And it's for everyone to experience joy. Not for success, not for the accolades, but for joy. And I know that there's a lot of business people who say, if you feel joyful, if your business is fun, then the 
success will come automatically. And I think there's there's some truth in that. All you need to do is to to follow the words I am with whatever you want to be. She also tells us that in terms of creativity, probably everything has already been done. You know, at the time that Shakespeare wrote his plays, all the plots had already been done before him. So there is no need for originality. What is needed is authenticity, because we will always tell a story or we will always create a business that fits with who we are and nobody can be us. We are definitely unique. She also encourages us not to do um, whatever we're doing for someone else to save the world or anything like that. And she claims that she wrote Eat, Pray, Love to save herself. And she even wrote Big Magic for her own pleasure. And I think we should do that. We should be selfish. You know, um, I think I've reviewed um, um, the book Start With Why. Uh, at the start of this podcast. And I really love this book, but I think in the why that we choose for whatever endeavors we we are going to do, especially if they are long-term endeavors that require a commitment from us, there has to be something in it for us. And I know for my part, running my business, there's always something for me because I have so much joy um, you know, doing the client work, spending time with my clients, you know, tuning into the business Akashic Records gives me incredible joy. It feels like heaven on earth for me. So there's definitely that element. But then, of course, I, I also created my business to work around the needs of my children. So this is a second why that is very, very dear to me, because I could have continued on my path of being an international business lawyer, but then I would have had to sacrifice my children because I would have had to continue to travel and work long hours. And I didn't want to be that sort of mother for my children. I'm not at all judging uh, women who might have made different choices. I just had to make the choices that felt right for me. She also goes on quite at length, but I think I've mentioned that already, to say that you don't need a degree and that debt cripples creativity. And I found that really interesting because even though in France, um, studies are not as expensive as they are in the UK or in the US, I personally made the decision, the conscious decision in my 20s, not to go to art school, but to go to law school instead. And I felt that it was because if I put my art under pressure to deliver money for me, then I would probably kill um, kill the goose. And and it seems that Elizabeth has has helped me to confirm that this was this was a good choice for me. Now, in in two thousand and five, when I lost my job as a lawyer, I embraced my inner artist and I tried to make a career out of it. And um, I made the mistake of putting pressure on my art at that point um, out of need and necessity more than anything else. And it just didn't work. So in a way, I had the confirmation late in life about why I had made the first, um, you know, the best choice in the first place. She also tells us that nobody owes us anything. So if we don't take joy in our business, if we don't take joy in our art, then uh, we shouldn't be doing it. Um, it's not a good idea to leave your day job to start a business if if your business makes you feel miserable or if, um, if you feel under pressure. Um, so, you know, having a day job is good. 
in the work that I do, I actually support people to create success on their terms. So I want to help you to depart completely from someone else's version of success. You know, um, of course, the classic version is that, you know, I quit my day job, I started this business, and within six months, I had recreated my, my corporate salary. Um, yeah, maybe that's one model, but there are so many different models as well. So think about what you really, really, really want and then uh, and then go for that and stay true to yourself. She also said how important it is not to care what other people think because everybody loves their opinions, including ourselves. Uh, and she, she gives an example that really makes me smile because someone, you know, she must have received like thousands of letters of fan mail. And one of them was this woman who told her, how um, she, she inserted her own story into her book, basically, something that wasn't in the book, but that she saw that she needed. And, and that's how people receive your work. It has nothing to do with you. Um, I love that she says that it's, it's never too late to learn how your own creativity works and, and to just follow the joy, to give up perfectionism, and but at the same time, and this is something that made me smile as well. She says, you know, you know, uh, lovers always find time to to be with each other because there is that that passion, and I think it's the same with your with your business or with your idea or with your creativity. For the longest of time, because I could only work from one day a week in my business, I actually every waking hour that I could find uh, um, free. I would dedicate to my business. So I was just thinking about it this week, actually, that I would wake up between five and six every day, including Saturdays and Sundays, to work on my business, if only for a couple of hours before my kids woke up. I was that passionate about it. And, and that's what you want to do. You want to find the passion. You want to find so that you can actually create time. The time is not going to be given to you unless you make it, basically. And I think um, I loved that Elizabeth could confirm that to us. She also warns us that if we don't follow our creativity, we're likely to be destructive because this energy um, exists. And she says it's like a puppy. <laughs> so if you don't get a puppy out, if they don't run, if they don't have the exercise, they'll end up chewing the sofa. And I can, I can vouch for that because when I was a lawyer and my creativity wasn't used properly, I actually found some, an outlet. Uh, at first it was writing novels. And then um, when I pitched my first novel and, and was literally um, discouraged by all the rejection letters back in France, then I pivoted into uh, mosaics. And then after 10 years doing mosaics, I re-pivoted in, into, into writing as well. So it, with, with creativity, the rules... Um, don't, the rules do not apply to creativity as to other things in terms of success. The fulfillment needs to come from the process itself, from the journey. And I think that's a huge lesson for me. I am not a process girl. I'm not a journey girl. I am more of a destination girl. And creativity and business have, have taught me to completely change um, and put my model upside, upside down. Because as a lawyer, I could create some goals and... It only depended on me doing the work for them to be um, to be achieved. Whereas with business and creativity, it's a completely different story. 
Now, she says that sometimes you'll have a big idea and inspiration, but at other times you just have to follow an interest. And um, I'm not going to go through all the notes that I've been through because actually I realized that these notes are quite extensive and quite detailed. But she says that we have to drop the martyrdom, we have to drop the idea that our business is our baby and to... Um, to focus more on the fact that actually it's probably the other way around and we need to um, to serve um, the idea, but also we need to be able to slash it if it doesn't work. Um, so we have to understand that we have we need to, to lean into our own ability to land on our feet, um, to be playful. Um, she talks about tricksters versus martyrs. And she says that we need to be tricksters that send a ball out into the universe and trust that the universe wants to play with us. That is going to throw the ball back at us whenever it's ready in, in its own good way and not to be attached to the outcome. So then she talks about curiosity. And she says that she went on a scavenger hut hunt at some point when she was just interested in gardening she wanted a garden and then she started researching all the plants in our garden and then it led to a novel about a fictional family of bot botanical explorers in the 19th century uh, that she called the signature of all things and she never saw that that novel coming so if one that you need just to show up because even if the idea is not there it could be that there's an impulse it could be that there's an interest and you just need to follow the crumbs and keep being curious and keep seeing things as interesting, okay? And she also says that a lot of people quit when things start to get interesting, when there's an obstacle, where there's discomfort, and that it is a shame when we quit too soon. And I can't help thinking of this meme. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, where there's this guy who's um, mining and he keeps on, uh, you know, digging this tunnel, uh, with his axe uh, and he's literally giving up and you can see that the, the gold and the diamonds are literally you know an inch from him but he just goes away we need to keep going and we need not to allow our ego to latch on to shame and failure when the outcome is not what the ego wants because what the ego wants is rewards rewards and more rewards and actually there's never enough rewards for the ego Especially, I can tell you, especially mine, because I'm such a perfectionist and I have such a, an imposter syndrome that I could re receive the best of the accolades. It would only make me happy for a couple of days. And then I would reach for the next level and the next level and the next level. So I've learned to um, let go of the outcome and enjoy the process. Um, and she says something really beautiful towards the end of the book that ego is good. We all have one. And it's best, she also says, some of us may have to, and that made me laugh. But um, the thing is, you can't let it be in the driver's seat. The soul has to take precedence. And the only thing that the soul is interested in is wonder. And of course, she also called that, calls that big magic. And I love that. So then she says, you know, how do you how do you deal with failure and shame? And and it's by letting go and moving on to the next project and to forgive yourself. Um, she says there's no need to conduct an autopsy of a disaster and we don't need to know what everything means. I think that really spoke to me 
because I tend to want to put meaning to everything. And it's not always good when you can't or when you assign the wrong kind of meaning and that you use that kind of meaning to beat yourself up. I'm very good at that. I would love to know what you do. But what um, I think the conclusion is that inspiration likes motion. So you want to keep moving. You want to keep doing things. You want to keep taking risks. Um, and you need to do that regardless of the outcome. The only thing that you need to ask yourselves is what do you love even more than your own ego? And I'm going to finish this book review on that note and ask you to come into our group today and share uh, what has been the biggest aha moment from this episode. Or if you have read the big book, Big Magic, and you have something that you think I've missed that I, we should be um, talking about, please come into my free group called um, uh, The Intuitive Revolution for Brilliant Entrepreneurs, and let's have this conversation. I am going to remind you, though, as well, that we are doing a, um, a free webinar uh, next Monday. So let me just check. I am at 10 o'clock a.m. on the 25th of April, and it's going to be about niching intuitively. I hope you sign up for that. I will put the link in, um, in the notes directly into the app. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you have a wonderful week. Um, I know it's Easter Sunday, so maybe I should wish um, a happy Easter to all the Christians that are listening to this podcast. And I'll speak to you again next Monday. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Intuition Podcast. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating, and if you haven't done it yet, write a review so that more listeners can enjoy this podcast. Don't forget to join my free group on Facebook, Business Intuition for Female Entrepreneurs. And go on to my website to download my free workbook on the four steps to trust your intuition in business. My website is theintuitionrevolution.co.uk.